Turn with me, please, to the book of John, Gospel account of John, chapter 14. And then I think we'll go right over to Philippians, chapter 4. We began on a series, and I believe I called it Perfect Peace, but I've already changed the title. <laughs> it's a work in progress, you understand. And I'm calling it this week, <laughs> Careful for Nothing. Careful for Nothing. Um, you know, looking for the title that best describes the flow. And one reason I make some adjustments sometimes is because until you get into it, you don't see the, the flow. And I saw today how that this is going to work really well with what we're looking at on Sunday. But I just now found that out. So I can't take credit for that. In John 14 and 1. John 14 1 says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Who's the understood subject here? You. You are not to let or allow your heart to be troubled. Now, skip on down to the uh, end of the chapter. That was the first verse. Skip on down to, uh, oh, there's so many good things here. Just, just go all the way to the end, to 26. He said, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. And then he says it again, let not your heart be troubled. And he adds, neither let it be afraid. Now this is like all the word of God, all the words of the master, so powerful, so rich and the truth will do what for you? It'll make you free. And uh, the reason the enemy has the grip on the world that he has is the scripture says he has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. People do not know. Human beings living on this planet, most of them do not realize how staying away from God, staying away from church, staying away from the word and prayer leaves them so vulnerable to being blinded and deceived and manipulated, mm -hmm. controlled mm -hmm. by the God of this world. They imagine they are free to do whatever they like, but in truth, they are in bondage. They are in captivity, blind. And without understanding. And part of that blindness. Well it works out. I'll say like this. It works out to believing lies. That prevent you. From being free. And one of the lies. That the enemy. Has convinced millions on the planet. Is that you cannot control. Your heart. Your feelings. Your emotions. You cannot control whether you are troubled or not. You cannot control whether you are afraid or not. 
Millions of church-going people believe you cannot help it. You cannot control it. But how are we to understand what the master said? Let's read it again. Read verse 27 again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you not as the world gives. This peace that he's talking about. We'll see about it again here in Philippians in a moment. It's called the peace that passes understanding. (laughs) You're not going to be able to explain this peace fully. You're not going to be able to explain it to other people completely because it does what? It passes understanding. And you cannot find this peace anywhere in this world. You can only find it in Christ. Because it is his peace. How could you get it anywhere else? It's his peace that he gave to us. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody said out loud, I have his peace. His peace is mine. If we have his peace, then we can walk like he walked in this life as far as not being troubled, not being in fear. That's what he's saying. Isn't that the next phrase? My peace I'm giving to you. Then what's the next thing he says? You don't let your heart be troubled. Take advantage of the peace I've given you. And don't let your heart be troubled. And don't let your heart be afraid. Now if we just camped on these two phrases. For three months. It would be time well spent. Because I know from some small experience. The vast majority of Christians. Don't believe you can live like this. They don't believe these wonderful, bold, red letters in the New Testament. I've had people look at me with tears and in anguish and say, I can't help it. I'm sorry. I can't help it. They're distraught. They're just in an upheaval. And they'll say, well, you don't understand. What did the master understand? I can't help it. You'll hear Over and over and over and over again. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. Well that is evidence of believing a lie. Just believing that this is not true what we just read. That there are numerous situations in life. That will put you in a place where you cannot control. Your heart being troubled. And you cannot control being in fear and afraid. We need to decide what we believe. If the master said, I'm giving you my peace. Now, don't let your heart be troubled. What's the correct response to that that direction? Don't let your heart. Is the word of God, God speaking to me? Should I read it that way? Should I read it like Jesus said to Keith? Keith? Yes, sir? 
I'm giving you my peace. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Your peace. The peace you walked in when you were on the earth. The peace you, your peace. Thank you, Master. He said, now listen, Keith. Yes, sir. I'm giving you my peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Am I supposed to unhook there? And go, well, now. I'll I'll try, Lord. I'll I'll do the best I can. But you know, sometimes <laughs> you just get so overwhelmed, you uh, you can't help it. Sometimes everybody has some blue days. Everybody has some down times. I, I can almost hear the organ music in the background. <laughs> Can't you? I mean, this is preached in churches. Everybody has some down days. Everybody want to feel blue sometimes. Everybody. That's actually where the blues came from. The blues is perverted church music. The blue, the origin of the blues came right out of the church. But there's a lot of stuff in the church ought not be in the church. It ought not be in the church. Singing about how bad it is. About how hard it is. About how rough it is. It's not going to help you. It just confirms your fears. And being troubled and being upset. Is it possible. My friends. To have what Jesus is talking about here. Is it possible to get a hold of yourself. And say no, no. Now I'm not going to let my heart be troubled like that. Is it possible. I'm going to yield to the peace that the Lord has given me. Is it possible to get a hold of yourself. and say, I'm not going to let my heart be afraid like that. I'm not yielding to that fear. Fear. I resist you. Leave me. Is it possible? That's not how most people live. That's not how most Christians live. But I am expecting Faith Life Church. Come on now. I'm expecting me and you. Maybe we've done it some, but I'm expecting us to come on up and just do it as an everyday way of life. I believe the Lord's expecting us to finally take him seriously and do what he told us to do. Come on, somebody said out loud, I can do do what the master told me to do. What did he tell you? Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. That means you can. Now go to Philippians. Fourth chapter. So rich here. Philippians 4 and 6. Actually, back up to verse 4. Let's read a little bit more of this. Verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord on select occasions. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. 
Rejoice. If the Lord told you to rejoice, can you rejoice? If he told you to rejoice all the time, can you rejoice all the time? Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, like we said last week, people have taken this in the King James and built whole doctrines out of it, out of something it did not say. People, you hear people say, the scripture says moderation in all things. Where is that verse? A lot of times they're talking about this. And in this verse, moderation doesn't even mean moderation. That's not what it means. In, in fact, if you look it up, Other translations say, let your forbearance be known. Others say, let your considerateness be known. One says, let your sweet reasonableness be known to all men. That's got nothing to do with moderation in all things. (laughs) I just kicked a holy cow then. Did you hear? (laughs) We just tipped over a holy cow. Well, let her fall. It never was the Word of God. Now, now, there are scriptures that are talking about controlling yourself, being disciplined, but you don't want to take something and make it into something it didn't say. Keep reading. Be careful for nothing. It, now, see, back up and put the context here. You're rejoicing all the time. You're being sweet and reasonable and easy to get along with. And you are full of care about nothing. Can you see this picture? This is how believers are supposed to live. Be careful for nothing. But in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Well if I'm not going to worry. What do I do? Got to replace it with something. And a whole lot of folks. Their mom and dad were highly developed warriors, as were their parents before them. And it is heralded as proof that you really care. And people have identified with it as part of what's valuable in their character. So, I mean, they're considered getting rid of it. It's precious to them. It proves how serious and how caring of a person they are, how much they worry. And so if you've developed in this all your life, it can be tougher than kicking smoking or drinking or whatever it might be because it's so ingrained. You know, you don't necessarily eat, I hope hope we don't, 24-7. but you think 24-7 and you can worry 24-7 even when you're doing something else talking about something else it can be something nagging you in the back of your mind worrying about it and the Lord has directed us not to do it and most Christians have not taken him seriously We're not about judging anybody. But if you could be free from this, why not get free? If it's possible to live without worrying all the time, why don't let's just go ahead on and do it. Let's just do it. Anybody want to live? Worry free. Fear free. 
Well, you begin by believing that if the Lord told you to do it, it's possible to do it. Not only possible, but let's go ahead and get to it. What did he say, verse 6? Read verse 6 again. Be careful for nothing. What am I going to do instead of worry? Number one, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. But I'm obviously not just going to beg and beg and beg forever because it ends with saying thanksgiving. At some point I'm going to quit pleading and begging and asking and I'm going to thank God that he heard me. And I'm going to thank God that he's granted my request. And in verse 7, if I'll do that, what will happen? The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep my heart and keep my mind. We need something keeping our minds. Through Christ Jesus. But that's not the end. I do something and he does something. One of the big errors in Christianity. Is people made everything God's responsibility. And just keep pleading with him. To do everything and fix everything. And take care of everything. He's not going to control your mind. Or mine. He's not going to control your mouth. He's not going to make you or I do what we can and know we should do. He told us to do something. What's our part? Back up again. Verse 6. What's our part? Be careful for nothing. Now listen to some other translations. The Young's literal translation, and this is a very accurate one, says, For nothing be anxious. For nothing be anxious. And then the Amplified's good on this. Verse 6. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Is that the word of God? Everybody say it out loud. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Let's say it again at least five times. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Am I reading the Bible? Am I reading the New Testament? What else? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now tell somebody. Look at them. Help them out. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Look at somebody else. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now what would a lot of people respond if we'd be honest? What would they say? I, I, I'll try. What does that mean? That means you're not convinced that you can keep from fretting and being anxious. You, you don't believe. You can resist that and not do it, which means you don't believe the Bible yet. <laughs> you, don't believe, you just don't believe. Now, this is the reality. There are church folks everywhere that don't believe the Bible. This is a fact. I had a lady come up to me one time after I'd spoken, and you could tell she was upset. And uh, 
She said, that, now that's not right. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And I said, what? And I started quoting scriptures I had used. She said, now nah, I know all that's in there, but it's just like the song says. <laughs> I said, what? She said, it's just like the, the old song says. See, she's rejecting out of hand a half a dozen verses we've just gone over. And she believes an old verse in an old song is how it really is. Now, that was obvious, but a whole lot of stuff is the same thing. It's just not as obvious. Jesus told people in his day, didn't he? He said, you have rejected the word of God so you can keep your tradition. Tradition is one of the biggest enemies to the word of God there is on the planet. People will fight you. Woo! Over their traditions. And just completely ignore the word of God. Without a second notice. Yeah I know that. I know all that's in there. But like somebody was telling me a while back. They said but you know that Bible. Who can really understand it? Everybody's got their opinion. And who knows. Everybody's got their own interpretation. And That's an excuse. You're not held accountable. For all the things you don't understand. And know. The Lord looks at the heart. He's only holding us accountable for what we do see and know. These four verses you don't understand will not excuse you from not doing the one you do understand. Everybody clear on that? Now you might try to argue with me with somebody else, but it ain't going to hold when you talk to the Lord about it. (laughs) And besides, it doesn't even make sense. All you're saying is there's a bunch in there I don't understand. We already knew that. That's not a shocker. But what you do understand, get to it. Do it. And here's the thing. That's how you get more understanding. When you walk in the light you have, more light comes. Next thing you know, that verse you thought nobody could understand starts unfolding to you. You begin to see what he's talking about. But you won't see it as long as you disrespect him in the word and won't do anything that you know to do. You'll never get the rest of it. Be careful for nothing. For nothing be anxious. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. What if you lived that way? What if you really lived that way? No more ulcers. Migraines might just disappear. Anybody listening? I mean, any number of things would begin to transform because folks don't realize how much fear is chewing them up because it's there every hour of every day and night worrying about the bills, worrying about my retirement, worrying about the economy, who's going to get in office, worrying about... The uh, company, is is my position going to be secure? Worrying about uh, are the, my spouse, or are they telling me the whole truth? Worrying about my kids, where are they really at? What are they doing? Worrying. Now you're laughing. But how many good people, Christians, but their head and their conscious and subconscious is full of this. Some measure of it all day long all night long and folks don't realize it is refusing to walk by faith 
It is refusing to cast your cares over on the Lord. It is ignoring the word of God. It's many things that are all bad. And all of us have come short. And I'm not judging you. And I hope you're not judging me. But let's rise up. Let's rise up. I said let's rise up. Is it possible to not let your heart be troubled? Is it possible to not let your heart be afraid? Now, he wouldn't say it unless you were going to be tempted to. Thoughts, fears, heaviness, whatever is going to come. I said, it's going to come. I said, don't speak that over me. It's going to come. You live down here in this world. Every day, you're going to be tempted to be upset about something, to be bothered about something, to worry about something, to take care and be anxious. Let it bug you, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. But it's our choice. Whether we let that sit on us and press us or whether we resist it and say, no, I refuse to dwell on this. I refuse to talk about this anymore. I refuse to think on this. I refuse to yield to these feelings and these dark thoughts and these suggestions. Fear, I resist you. Get out of here. And start talking about the Word of God. Start talking about greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. Start talking about God's going to take care of us. Is that right? He takes care of me. He takes care of my spouse. He takes care of my kids. What if they did do that? He's the answer for that too. No matter what happened. There is victory in him over every sin, over every sickness, over every failure, over every need. And man, the more you get established in that, you just start relaxing. You just start relaxing and and, and you know, no matter what happens, God's going to be right there. It's not going to surprise him. He's already got the answer. All I got to do is hold on to him. And he said he would always cause me to triumph. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. And if you do that, the peace of God, verse 7, that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Did the Word of God tell us when we refuse to be anxious about things and we pray about it and get in faith about it and start thanking God about it, then He said He's going to do something. We did what He told us to do. Now what happens? Verse 7 is his part. The peace that he gave us is going to come up in us. It's going to keep your heart. Does that sound good? The peace is going to just encircle and embrace your heart and your soul and your mind. Somebody say, thank God, thank God. The peace of God is going to encompass and keep your mind. Through Christ Jesus. Christ refers to the anointing of the Messiah. 
the anointing, the Spirit of God, the peace of God is going to be active in my heart and in my mind that will allow me to have peace right in the middle of the eye of a hurricane. Can you see it? Now he's not through with us. Verse 8. Finally, brethren. Our part. Don't be full of care. Pray about it. Get in faith and give thanks. His part. Peace of God's going to work in you. Now he's back to us. Our part's what? You've got to do something with your little mind. <laughs> what is that? Finally, brethren. He gives you a list. Whatever things are true, what's the opposite of true? False. False, not true. Whatever things are honest. Well, if it's dishonest, he's not talking about that. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. After we've prayed, after the peace of God is come and working in our life, we've cast our cares over on Him. We're in faith about it. Peace is working in us. That's not the end. I said that's not the end. The enemy will try to get you out of faith, which means get you out of rest, get you out of peace. The word upset uh, in the scriptures, in the, in the King James, you usually see the word troubled or distressed or words like this. But we'd probably, for some of this, use the word upset. We do, don't we? Are they upset? Are you upset? Well, you don't find that so much in the scriptures. You'd find a word like, are they troubled? Are they distressed? Full of care. And uh, what does it mean to be upset? Let me read you the definition. This is really enlightening just to see it. The word upset means to force out of the usual upright level position. It means to trouble mentally or emotionally. To disturb the poise of. Listen to these other definitions. To throw into disorder. To defeat unexpectedly. The picture is you were stable, you were level, you were doing good, and something upset you. So now you're not stable. Now you're not settled. See, the, the worst thing could happen with us as far as the devil's concerned is for us to do what we just read about, decide I'm not going to worry about that. And you pray about it. And you cast your care over on the Lord. And you start rejoicing and giving thanks to God. And the peace comes on you. And you're just in peace and in rest about this whole thing. As far as the devil's concerned, that's the worst thing that could happen. Because if you stay in faith and stay in rest, God is going to move in your life. And his business is going to be disrupted. So what he's got to do is disrupt you. Before his yoke is destroyed and his burden is removed. So he will work feverishly 
to get you out of rest and peace and get you into fear and worry and anxiety because then whatever the angels were doing for you will stop. Whatever the power of God was doing for you will subside because you're no longer in faith. We which have believed do enter into rest, the scripture says. What will the enemy try to do? He will do his best to get you out of that rest and into fear to upset you. In flying, we do upset recovery training. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people can fly the plane when it's straight and level. Everything's going cool. But if something happens and it's not in a normal position anymore, every time we go, this is how they do it. They'll say, okay, we're in the simulator. It feels and looks just like the airplane. It's dark. It's always dark. And they'll say, okay, close your eyes. My airplane. Take your hands off the controls. Okay. And you'll feel it. Oh, it goes up. Then it goes down. Then it goes around. Power comes up. Power goes back. And then they say, okay, your airplane. You open your eyes and the instruments are doing this. They're moving around. And you've got to figure out, oh, I'm about upside down. Oh, I'm blazing toward the ground at 400 miles an hour. Oh, I'm about to stall. You're upset. The plane's upset, but you better not be upset. You got to be cool. And we got to get this plane recovered from its upset condition and get it back to when, if I'm going a straight up, I just need to add power and roll off the nose, come back down to the horizon, roll back, make sure everything's right. If I'm barreling toward the ground, get the power out, put the speed brakes on, get the wings level, but don't jerk it back too fast because the tail could come off. Just be real easy and just come right. Well, what's the enemy trying to do? You came to a good service. You heard scriptures. You said five times, don't be anxious about anything. And and you're doing pretty good. And here you are, wings level and and cruising at Mach 9. And and you are are headed toward a blessing. You are headed toward a miracle. What's the devil going to try to do? He's going to try to upset you, get you out of that rest faith condition. Into a place where you lose it and go, ah, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> and that's how you die. <laughs> right? I mean, what if you did that in the airplane? You go, oh, we're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Well, you, you have seconds to get this thing straightened out before it's too late. And so the enemy's always trying to upset us. And if we're not aware of his devices and tricks you'll stay upset majorly upset semi upset slightly upset about something all the time and you can get used to living that way so that you don't even notice it anymore but people around you notice it Because you just got this half mad look (laughs) on your face. And if people, every other time they see you, they they lead with, is something wrong? (laughs) Or they just skip that part and go, what's wrong? (laughs) Why? 
Why should they just be able to look at you and assume something's wrong? Joy shows up on your face. Grief shows up on your face. Sorrow. Is that right? Faith shows up on your face. It's in the tone of your voice. Fear shows up on your face. Worry shows up on your face. In fact, and everybody should care about this, worry will age you prematurely. I mean, there's all kind of scientific evidence for this. People have gone into high-stress situations, and then just within a couple of years, they look like they've aged 10 years. You see it all the time. Why? Because they're not at peace. They're not at rest. Something is stressing them. And if you're stressed, I don't care if it's a bicycle or a car or your body. If it's got undue stress and unnecessary pressure on it all the time, it's not going to last as long as it should. Right? Right? It's going to wear out prematurely. Going to get broken. But it wouldn't be God's fault. Because he said, here, I got you. Here, I got you now. You're going to be in a world that's full of chaos. I mean, it's full of the curse, devils, disease, and crazy people. But I got you. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give it right to you. I'm giving you my spirit and my peace. Now listen to me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Use my peace. Don't let yourself be afraid. Be careful for nothing. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. Cast all your cares over on me. And just stay in my peace. Turbulence, storms, winds try to upset you. You'll feel your little plane rock. It'll be a little bumpy. If the nose gets a little high or the tail gets a little sideways, what do we not do? Oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to (laughs) die. This is what we don't do. Come on, anybody with me now? We don't do that. Now, you're, you're laughing, but I'm not just using unconnected examples. I'm talking about when something rocks your boat. You got a bad report. You got a bill you didn't know you were going to get. Something about the kids that's alarming. Come on, are you with me? That's turbulence. That's something is rocking your plane, rocking your boat. It's trying to upset you. What what do you got to do? You got to get a hold of this thing and not let it cause me to fear and be troubled. I have to be in faith. I've got to stay steady. And trust God. And I can. Because he's with me. Is that right? And I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. And no matter what it is. Greater is he that's in me. Than that. Can you say amen? I believe it. He said think on these things. Read that last verse there. All these things. True, honest, just, pure, lovely. Good report. Virtuous. Praiseworthy. Do what? What about the bad report? That's not on the list. Right? You got to think on the good report. It's bad 
It's not lovely. There's no virtue in it. There's nothing to praise about it. Then once you've heard it and once you know it, that's enough. Quit talking about it and quit thinking about it and get your mind back on this. Why would you tell us this? Because even though you, you make a good prayer, uh, you're thanking God, you're praising God, peace of God starts working in you, you can lose it before the day's out if you don't control your mind. Amen. If you don't keep your mind on the things it's supposed to be on. And if you do that, read the next verse. Verse 9. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. What? What we're talking about the first part of the service. Do it. Do it. And if you do, what will happen? The God of peace. You've been talking about peace this whole time. What will happen? He'll be with you. What does that mean? Well, isn't he with me always? Yeah, but not manifested always. How's he going to be manifested? Peace. Not only will you get in peace, but you will stay in peace until you see this thing work out. You see the thing happen that the Lord wants to happen. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, please. 13th chapter. Now, uh, like we said in modern vernacular, we'd probably use the word, instead of being anxious, we'd probably use the word worry. Worry. And uh, instead of saying troubled as much, we'd probably say upset. Upset. No, no raised hands. I'm just asking for different reasons. Have you ever been upset? You don't have to acknowledge it. Why did you get upset? We need to examine. Have you ever been really upset? I mean just you lost it. Again, no need to raise a hand. Just, just, I just want you to think about this with me. <laughs> have you? <laughs> whoo, I'm seeing some fun stuff all across the crowd. Uh, have you ever been really, really upset? Now I'm going to answer that for you. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. And it goes way back to when you were two years old. Three. Four, you got really upset and yelled and wailed and cried over stuff like you somewhere or another lost the grip on your balloon <laughs> and it was the bestest balloon. And it's gone. It's gone forever. Wailing. Wailing. I mean tears. Is that right? Why, upset? Come on, don't, don't look at me so sanctimoniously. Now, have, have you ever seen anything like this? Yes, I have. Upset. Not mildly. Just have you ever seen little ones heave that get to where they, are, they lose their breath? And it goes quiet for a few seconds and you're thinking, okay, maybe we got it. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then, what? 
Over what? This lost balloon. Or just got a fresh two scoop chocolate. (laughs) And you were looking at the doggy. (laughs) And oh no. Oh no. Oh no. It all fell out into the dirt. <laughs> and just wail. Now, now let's just stop. I mean, we're laughing, but to the child, is this a major problem? Yes. To the child, this is this is like life and death. It's, now, now we're, why are we laughing? Because to them, it ain't funny. They're, they're not doing this as a joke. They are mortified. They are. Are your favorite Barbie. Lost a leg. <laughs> and you don't know where. The leg is. <laughs> but it was your favorite Barbie. It was the Barbie you had. Your whole life. Which is. Three years. <laughs> or four, whatever it is. <laughs> or your most your favorite favorite hot wheels. Lost a wheel. It's gone. And it won't even go on the track anymore. <laughs> now you and I, having some perspective, having grown, having developed. We look back now, and you know, what I was describing, you did it. I did it. We did it. We were there somewhere, sometime. I remember, I I couldn't have been very old, and some of the older boys, my cousins, were going to get to go on a trip. I thought for some reason I was going with them, but I was too young. But I thought because I hung out with them a little bit and, and they're getting ready to go. And so I thought I'm going. And, and my mom told me in front of them, no, you can't go. You're too little. Oh, man. I still remember that. I thought I've been humiliated <laughs> in front of these other boys. And I can't go. And I wanted to go. It was just. Everything to go. But looking now, where were they going? They weren't going anywhere. There was nothing really that was going to happen. But my perspective at that time was so limited and my understanding was so small. I thought, and is everybody awake and listening? Now, I thought it was way more important than it was. Right. I thought it was all important. The little one thinks the lost balloon is so important. But how many other balloons did they make just like that one? And how easily and quickly could that balloon be replaced? To God, a $5 million house is just as easily replaced as that balloon. 
I had a dollar. It's gone. I don't know where my dollar went. My dollar. My dollar. I lost a dollar. I was going to buy something with that dollar. And we think, just give them another dollar. To God, a billion wouldn't be any bigger deal than you giving that child another dollar. And so even though we may think, well, that's because they're just little children and didn't know any better, we're still little children. Are you in 1 Corinthians 13? 1 Corinthians 13 is the great love chapter. Right? And in talking about love and what it is and how it responds and does and acts, he uh, flows into verse 9 saying, We know in part and we prophesy in part. Why was the little one wailing so sadly and grievously? They knew so little, right? They did not understand how of little value that balloon was or that Barbie was. They did not realize how easily it could be replaced, that it's a piece of plastic It's really nothing. But to them, it was everything on that day. And so they went through all that anguish and all that heaving and that crying and that torment and that pain of loss over nothing, over a piece of plastic, a balloon, an ice cream cone. Does anybody know why I'm talking about this? The things 60-year-olds are getting upset about to the Lord, many of them look just like that balloon (laughs) or that ice cream cone or that Barbie doll. Yeah, but it's so, so, well, they said the same thing. The four-year-old says the same thing. It was my, it was my, it was my bestest, my favorite, my. All that means is it meant too much to you. And you don't know its real value and how easily replaceable it is. What it means is you don't yet know what's important. Your values are not right. Your priorities are not right. Because if it were, if you were an enlightened five-year-old, <laughs> you could be spared all of that pain and anguish. If you had such trust in your parents that they would take care of you and help you get another Barbie, you would just look at mom and daddy and go, can we fix this? And they go, sure, baby. In fact, they came out with a new one. But that requires more enlightenment than most five-year-olds or four or whatever would have. Keep reading. We know in part, prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, what happened? I spoke like a child. I understood. As a child, I thought as a child. 
Why have we been so worried and so anxious and so fearful? It's because spiritually we have been so childish. Yeah, but it's my kids. Same thing. It's my grandkids. It's my money. It's my retirement. It's my health. It's my body. To him, it's the same thing. Is that balloon to that child? Or less? Now, here's something we really need revelation of. To God, death is no big deal. It's not even a big deal. He saw 155,000 leave the planet today. Almost two every second. He saw almost twice that many babies arrive. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands arriving on the planet and leaving the planet every day. It's normal discourse. Normal transaction. And yet people will tremble at the thought of dying. They'll wring their hands. They'll cry all night long. They'll stand beside a casket. We lost them. We lost them. We lost mama. It's it's forever. We'll never see her. I wish I'd have told her. God time, you're going to see her in just about 10 minutes. You tell her then. If you want to. But yet people grieve and they cry. Why? Because they believe lies. And they don't know the truth. And they're childish in their thinking. Unenlightened. Things are going to touch your soul. You're going to feel it. I'm not saying you're not. But you don't sorrow like those who have no hope. When you know the truth. See, if you start thinking about the wrong thing, I could have told them this, and and I wanted to do that, and and we should have this, and we just ran out of time, and we didn't have time, then you're going to hurt, and you're going to cry, and you're going to grieve, and it's going to hurt you mentally, emotionally. It can hurt you physically, and it will be for nothing. When you get through grieving and crying, nothing will have changed, except you will have been vexed and tormented for no reason. And if you say, I can't help it, that's just another lie that you're believing. And I know most people do. But the truth will make you free. We prayed last week. Lord, show us your priorities. Show us what's important and what's not important. And and what we're talking about is... Help us to grow up and grow out of our childish understanding and our childish mentality. Hallelujah. How many think this would be a better quality of life? This, oh, oh my. What if you didn't worry about money? Ever. I say, what if you didn't worry about money? Ever. Sometimes, you know, somebody tried to tell Brother Brother Hagen one time, they walked across the campus there at Raymond and saw all the buildings and all the stuff going on. And, and they said, man, you, you must carry a heavy load. He said, oh, no. No, sir. I cast all my cares over on the Lord. I just run to keep up with this thing. <laughs> I like what Brother Jesse said one time. Uh, he and Brother Kenneth were ministering on the broadcast. And Brother Kenneth asked him, he said, Jesse, uh, 
What do you do when all these TV bills come in, you know? We're talking about a lot of money, you know. He said, I just hold them up and go, Jesus, you have mail. (laughs) You know, our, our ministry has gotten big enough now. I mean, if I stop to think how much it takes to run us every day. And uh, we got employees and, and their families that are depending on this and, and just a whole lot of things. Any of that begins, I immediately grab it and slam it down. I'm not, I'm not the source. This is not riding on me. I refuse to let any of that be put on me. Come on, are y'all with me? No, I didn't bring this thing to where it is. And I'm not the one that will sustain it. Or take it on further. God's my source. He told me, cast all your cares. Is that right? Cast all your cares right over on me. See, there's some things, if you're going to be free and have peace and joy, you can't let your mind go down that road. You can't let your mind go down that trail of thought. Because the enemy is trying to get you to come this way. Think about this. And, and it'll just get darker and darker. And what, what about this? And what if this happened? And what are you going to do if this doesn't happen? And what about this? It'll just get darker and darker and darker. And it's your own fault for volitionally going down that path in your mind. We've done it. You've done it. I've done it. Let's quit it. Let's stop it. Quit tormenting yourself for no reason. There's a lot of things. There is no future in thinking about it. So just cut it off right now. And get your mind on something else. Think on those things that are true. Just. Pure. Lovely. Good reports. Virtuous. Praiseworthy. Think on these things. Hallelujah. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart. And keep your mind. He said thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusted thee. What happened? Verse 11. When I was a child. Now when you're born again. You're a child spiritually. But are you supposed to remain a child. For year after year. And decade after decade. Are we supposed to grow up? I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. I wailed and got upset over things that were completely unimportant, like a child. But, oh, hallelujah, I became a man. I grew up and I put away childish things. What does that mean? I quit quit thinking like a child. I quit talking like a child. I quit understanding like a child. I begin to think more like the master. I begin to take on the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you see Jesus losing it over a bill? Huh? Or just going into deep depression over some symptoms? Did I lose somebody? Can you see Jesus getting upset and staying depressed for days? Hmm? Can you see Peter or John meeting one of the other disciples and go, I wouldn't go in there right now. I mean, Jesus is really, he's really upset. Boy, these. <laughs> These Pharisees and scribes have really got under his skin. I just come back tomorrow. No, he was the same yesterday, today, forever, stable, 
Is that right? Settled. Peace. Joy. Glory to God. He walked in a peace. Anybody impressed with the peace Jesus walked in? Is that not the same peace he gave us? All right. All right. Okay. Go with me to the book of uh, Jonah. Book of Jonah. We'll wind up, I think, at chapter 4, the last chapter. But uh, the Lord quickened this to me not long before we came to church here. I wasn't thinking about this. But he answers our prayers. Anybody remember Jonah? Just four short chapters here. And anybody remember what happened with him? The Lord said, go to Nineveh. Preach what I tell you to preach. Right? And so what did he do? <laughs> he, uh, he bought him a ticket <laughs> to go somewhere else. And he left. He went the opposite direction to Nineveh. Tried to get as far from Nineveh as he could get. Because he did not want to go preach to Nineveh. And the Bible tells us later on, give some details into why he didn't want to preach. There are some specific reasons. We're going to see it here in just a minute. But uh storm came up. And they all got upset. They all got troubled. And old man, the boat rocked and creaked. and They all sure they're going to die. And he's down in the in the hall asleep. So he's learned something about God, hasn't he? He's just asleep down there. And the captain comes and says, Would you get up and pray? Get serious about calling the name of your God. Maybe we'll help. He'll have mercy on us. And, and finally, Jonah saw, They ain't going to make it. So he just volunteers and says, You know, <laughs> this is because of me. He said, what? He said, yeah, let me tell you the story. And when he got through, they all said, why'd you do that? <laughs> and they said, so what, what do we do to come out of this? He said, you're going to have to throw me overboard. And they were like, no. He said, yep, that's what it's going to take. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so they, they wouldn't do it at first. They, the, the Bible said they rode hard and they got nowhere. And finally they said, we're going to die. So they picked him up and they pitched him over the side and a whale or giant fish, whatever you want to say it was. Says, Ain't no way a man could live inside a whale or a giant fish. How do you know? You ever tried it? <laughs> and besides that, the Bible said God had prepared this great fish, whatever. I reckon you could spend the night inside a volcano if God prepared it for you. That's right. Daniel spent the night in the lion's den. Is that right? So, you know, I, I know people want to fuss about it, but the Bible's true no matter what unbelievers say. But anyway, there in the dark with seaweed wrapped around his head. How many understand, uh, even if God did prepare it, it's got to be a stinky place, right? I mean, he's got, <laughs> just because he could live don't mean it was nice. I mean, it, oh, and so he gets real with God. Inside the belly of this thing. And he says, God, you know, he, I, I'm not going to regard lying vanities. 
Basically, uh, he must have made the commitment, get me out of here and I will do what you want me to do. And the Lord had that great fish uh, puke him out on the seashore. Now, you want to talk about somebody that's been through it? This old boy's been through it. Is that right? I mean, he's been in a hurricane, a typhoon. He's been tossed overboard. He's been swallowed. He's been puked out. I mean, he's been through it. (laughs) But... He gets to it. He goes into the city. He must have looked terrible and smelled worse. And he began to preach that judgment was coming on that place. But from the king down, they repented. They in sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible said God saw them and he spared them. And look in the fourth chapter in the first verse. 4-1. Put it up on the screen for us, please. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. What displeased him? That his prophecy didn't come to pass. He's a prophet. His reputation is messed up. He said it was going to happen. Judgment's coming. This many days, and it didn't come, and it's not coming. He's upset. Is he upset? Very displeased, angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray you, O God, was not this my saying before I bought that ticket and got on that boat? That's why I went to Tarshish, because I knew that you're a gracious God, merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and you will repent of the evil, the judgment that was going to come. I knew it. I knew it. I knew. I go over there and say this judgment's coming. Somebody repents and you'll just say, okay, they won't be judged. I knew it. That's why I didn't go. Verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech you, Take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Now let's just stop. Is he upset? To death. He's upset to death. To the point of death. Over what? What is he so upset about? His his prophet's reputation. When I prophesy judgment, judgment comes. I'm a real prophet. When I say it, she comes to pass. Well, people are going to say some things. You hear that crazy prophet that came with all that goop on him and stuff and <laughs> stunk. Man, you couldn't even stand the same block with him almost. And he declared judgment was going to come in. Well, that's been three and a half months ago and nothing's happened. We don't know where that crazy guy came from or his reputation. Let me die. He thinks his reputation is more valuable than this city. He's upset. So upset about his reputation and what people may think or may say about him, he's not even thankful. That a huge city has been spared. 
This is childish thinking. This is not thinking like God. So God gives him. Well let me just stop right here. Don't raise your hand now. But just think with me. Have you ever been upset about what you thought somebody thought? About you. Maybe very upset about what you knew they said. Or did. Why did you get so upset? About what they said or thought. It can be childishness. Just childish thinking. You thought. What they thought and said was so important. When the truth is. Most of the planet never knew about it. (laughs) And never will. And if they heard it could care less. Is that right? And in the big scheme of things. It means. Absolutely nothing what they said and what they did. How many want to rise up out of pettiness, out of childishness, begin to see things from God's perspective, begin to realize that doesn't matter. This does matter. See it through his eyes. How many want that? We, We prayed that. God heard our prayer. So God demonstrates, he gives Jonah a vivid demonstration of what's happening here. He needed something to help him out. Because he's not thinking right at all. Keep reading. Take my life. Verse 4. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And when the Lord asks you, are you doing good to be angry? you got a reason to be angry. Do you, are you justified in being angry? You, you need to go ahead and just repent. Just get down on your knees and go, I'm sure, Lord, if you had to ask me that, then I'm sure I don't. But, but no, he gets even more angry. Verse 5, so Jonah went outside the city and sat on the east end of the city and made him a booth and sat under the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He's hoping maybe, maybe somebody's going to do something real ugly and mean. God's going to change his mind and boom, wapo zappo and My prophecy will come to pass. Let's hope. And the Lord prepared a gourd. Everybody say a gourd. A gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. This is how children are. They have high highs and low lows. Yay! It's the bestest balloon in the world. Oh no! It's gone forever! (laughs) And it was the bestest balloon in the world. And don't realize what a balloon is. And that it doesn't matter. God prepared a worm. When the morning rose next day, it smote the gourd that it withered. (laughs) The gourd cometh. The gourd goeth. <laughs> gourd today, gourd tomorrow. <laughs> gourd gone tomorrow. <laughs> and it came to pass when the sun did rise, God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on the head of Jonah, and he fainted and wished in himself to die, and he said, It's better for me to die than to live. Got nothing to live for. Why? Because here my prophecy hadn't come to pass. I still smell like a fish. 
And I had a gourd. I had a gourd. It was the best gourd in the world. I mean, it brought the temperature on my head, I think 20 degrees, and it was just perfect place. And now my gourd is gone. Just let me die. Just, just let me die. Now, we're laughing. And it is funny when you see it from the right perspective. But when people are in this, they're nothing funny. People in this situation, many of them have committed suicide. They have killed themselves. And it is because that's what the devil was after all the time. He is a thief. He is a liar. He is a murderer. He is a destroyer. And if he can manipulate you to where you can't see any hope and everything you ever cared about is gone and nobody cares about you, lies, 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 lies. But if you believe it to the point, you can get to the point where you're ready to die. Take your life. It has hurt me so bad. I just have to cast the care of it over on the Lord. When you hear about teenagers committing suicide and young people Anybody but 15-year-old. Why? You want to find Why? Their boyfriend broke up with them. So life is over. When, if they just had yours and my perspective, they'd have lived a few more years. They would know if she could have just went and had an ice cream. And taken a nap. Come on, are you listening to them? And just make it through the day. And the next, that in a few months, it's going to look completely differently. And in a few years, you're going to have trouble remembering it. But because of being so childish, and it's such a um, conundrum, because they think they're adults. And they're being so childish. But you can do the same thing when you're 60 years old. You can think you're so mature. But if you're acting like this is the end of the world, you're being a child. Because if you saw it from God's perspective, it's really nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And this too will pass and pass quickly. Hmm? And the very best days of your life can be day after tomorrow. If you'll just hold on and trust him and not yield to this despair. But here's a prophet. Here's a man of God. Should know better. But here he's just coming apart over a gourd that he only had for a day. <laughs> Keep reading. He said, it's, it's better for me to die than to live. And God spoke to him. Do you do well? Are you doing right? Good? Being so mad? Being so upset about this gourd? What did he say? I do well to be angry to death. Oh, he's just, he's just vexed out of his head. Verse 10. And the Lord said, you had pity on this gourd for which you did no work. You didn't make it grow. It came up in a night. It perished in a night. And you're so upset about this gourd. And Should I not spare Nineveh? You want me to spare the gourd? I spared Nineveh. 
There's 120,000 children in this city that's not even old enough to know their left from their right. Not counting everybody else. And the whole place has been spared. And you're ready to die over a gourd. This has been a problem generation after generation. Because of immaturity. The leaders of the synagogues are so mad at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. And he's trying to talk to them about honoring their mother and father and things that are important. And they're mad because he didn't wash his hands a certain way before he ate. Someone say childish. 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 But this is reality. People will fight. Churches will split. Marriages ripped apart. Families torn apart over stuff that nobody will remember a century from now or a millennia from now or maybe even next week. But when you fixate on something and it was your favorite balloon, it was your dolly that you really, really, really liked and at 15 he was the love of your life, you had already planned what you don't realize is how insignificant your thoughts were and how meaningless those plans were. You want to grow up and ask God. Somebody say, ask God. Ask Him about this situation. Ask Him what's important in this thing. Ask Him. Will somebody say, ask Him? Ask Him. Yeah, your feelings are real. Are the feelings real to the two-year-old? To the three-year-old? Are they real? Oh, they're, don't act like they're not real. To them, it's life and death. What do we got to do? Help them. Talk to them. Oh, baby. They make uh, 300 million of those same balloons every day. <laughs> we'll get you another one. We'll get you two. Pretty. <laughs> no, listen. Look at me. Look me in the eye. Balloons are easy to get. We'll get you balloons. We'll tie so many balloons on your tricycle. You will look like a parade. Parade? Yes, a parade. A parade. We'll put so many balloons. All you got to do. To God, we also are little children. If he can get us to just give us his focus. Give me your mind, he says. Think on what I'm telling you here. Put your mind right here with me. What will he do? He'll start showing you. That doesn't matter. Look at this. And you'll begin to see. Next thing you know, you'll be drying your eyes. And you know, you know really? Yes, really. Yes, really. Well, I want to forget about that. Look what I got for you. Look what I got for you here. Look what we're moving on into here. Turn loose of it. Forget about it. Let it go. Cast all your cares over on me. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Come on, say it another time. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Somebody say, okay. Yes, Lord. Yes, Big Daddy. Everybody stand on your feet.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.